all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Does it seem that there's always one person who creates unwanted drama at family gatherings? Today we're talking about personality disorders and how a person with one can affect everyone around them. Do you know what to do when negative behavior starts? Do you need a plan on how to do that? Let's talk about what's going on in your life. We want you to share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President-elect Donald Trump is selecting ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson for Secretary of State. In a statement released by the transition team, Trump says Tillerson's career is the embodiment of the American dream. But critics are raising concerns about Tillerson's business ties with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Congress is preparing to investigate the CIA's assessment that Russia meddled in the presidential election to help Trump win. The president-elect calls the allegation ridiculous. NPR's Wade Goodwin says there are also multiple media reports that former Texas Governor Rick Perry, who famously forgot during a debate that he wanted to do away with the Energy Department, will be nominated for Secretary of Energy. Perry is a strong fossil fuels advocate and a climate change skeptic, calling the science a, quote, contrived phony mess. He sits on the board of Energy Transfer Partners, the company behind the Dakota Access Pipeline, Perry's former relationship with the Department of Energy was one he'd probably like to forget. In fact, he did forget, and his oops moment in a primary debate sunk his front-runner campaign for president in 2011 when he couldn't remember the third cabinet-level department he would abolish if elected president. It was, ironically, the Department of Energy. Wade Goodwin, NPR News, Dallas. A president without intel briefings is flying blind. That's what President Obama warns will happen if his successor chooses not to get regular updates from the intelligence community on matters of national security. On Fox News Sunday, Donald Trump acknowledged he was getting the daily presidential brief only once a week. He says he wants to be told when something changes, but Trump argues there's no need to be told the same details day after day. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny is running for president. Navalny is an outspoken critic of President Vladimir Putin. Today, he said those who've been in power for 17 years have grown deaf to criticism. Navalny won nearly 30 percent of the vote in Moscow's mayoral elections three years ago. An Italian court has convicted two men for the sinking of a migrant ship that killed about 700 people last year. 
NPR's Sylvia Poggioli reports it was one of the worst migrant disasters in the Mediterranean. A judge in Sicily found Tunisian Mohamed Ali Malek guilty of manslaughter and convicted him to 18 years in prison. He was accused of being the captain of a migrant boat that sank in April 2015. Many of those who drowned had been crammed and locked in the rickety vessel hold. Malik denied he was the boat's captain, saying he had paid for passage like everyone else, but survivors' accounts indicated he was the man in charge. The court also sentenced Syrian Mahmoud Bikit, identified as the cabin boy, to five years in prison. The Italian government undertook the costly and difficult operation to bring the boat to the surface in an effort to identify the dead and give them a decent burial. Silvia Poggioli, NPR News, Rome. This is NPR. The UN's Children's Fund says there are reports out of eastern Aleppo that more than 100 children may be trapped in a building under bombardment. Government forces have been carrying out a heavy assault against opposition fighters to recapture control of all of Aleppo. Thousands of civilians have been trapped. UNICEF estimates that 35,000 children in Iraq have fled Mosul, site of the Iraqi military offensive against Islamic State. The Associated Press cites a UNICEF official saying that some of the children who were killed were targeted by snipers as they were attempting to carry water back to their homes. The Spanish capital is joining other European cities, including Paris, Dublin, Frankfurt and Milan, in launching campaigns to lure businesses from London after the UK leaves the European Union. Lauren Freyer has this from Madrid. Spain's finance minister has created a task force to try to woo U.S. and Japanese investment banks in particular from London. Among the incentives is a reduced income tax rate for non-residents who base their businesses in Spain. The Spanish government is also promising no added regulation other than what's required by the European Union. The financial regulator here says banks can even file all their relocation documents in English, something other expats can't do. It promises English-speaking coaches to guide them through a fast-track approval. Madrid has dispatched a representative to the city of London to pitch the Spanish capital's low cost of living, nice climate, and relatively cheap labor costs. For NPR News, I'm Lauren Fryer in Madrid. All major market indices are higher, with the Nasdaq up more than 1%. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Visiting Angels, Professional caregivers assisting adults at home in bathing, dressing, meals, and light housework nationwide. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Learn more at 1-800-365-4189. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. 
So I have a question for you. Does it seem like there's always one person who creates unwanted drama at a family gathering? Um, They're typically, if not at a family gathering, somewhere that you gather during the holidays. Today we're talking about personality disorders and how a person with one can really affect everyone around them. So my question to you is, do you know what to do when those negative behaviors starts? Do you know what causes one? Is there a way to fix one? Do you need a plan on how to help someone that you think might have a personality disorder? Or do you think that you might and that you need help? We want to talk about what's going on in your life today. I have an expert with us, Dr. David Elkin, who is a frequent visitor on Southern Remedy. He is the executive director of the Center for the Advancement of Youth, a colleague of mine. He is a psychologist, and so I want to welcome him today. David, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Great. So... Um, personality disorders are a little more common than I think people realize, correct? Correct. They're always um, sort of out there, but they're hard to identify at times. Right. So what I thought I'd do, let's start with what the definition is. And um, I think this is a good one from Mayo Clinic. It's uh, a type of mental disorder in which you have a rigid, unhealthy pattern of thinking, functioning, and behaving. So it's a person with um, who has trouble perceiving and relating to situations and people, so maybe misperceptions and others. And often it causes significant problems and limitations in relationships, social activities, as I mentioned, and certainly at work or school. Um, and these often begin to present in late adolescence, correct? Correct. Late adolescence, early adulthood. You're right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. It sounds like that every person who's a little bit difficult might qualify for a uh, personality disorder. So talk to us a little bit about what really makes that person qualify? Um, certainly not everybody with a strong or different personality does, right? Absolutely not. So typically what we're talking about here is a pattern of behaviors and emotions and ways of thinking, as you said earlier, that shows that this individual has a difficult time perspective-taking, um, seeing someone else's perspective on certain situations. Um, and, you know, that's one of the hallmarks, um, Dr. Buttress, of being human, is mm-hmm. the ability to say to yourself as you're talking to someone, you know, as I say these things to him or her, this may make them feel thusly or thus and such. You're having this sort of internal dialogue but there are those individuals who don't who don't have that capacity, you know. So and, they don't have any kind of internal dialogue or that is it empathy? Is it It could be empathy, it could yeah. be a host of things, but um oftentimes they don't realize how they're coming across and you know, to the outside observer, to me, to you, to others, they can appear callous or self centered mm-hmm. or, you know, gloriously wrapped up in their own issues, uh, which is difficult in a social setting. And are they is one with a personality disorder an individual who is so um egocentric or centered on their thoughts that they are having difficulty interpret 
interpreting others' needs or wants or positions? Yes, that. Or you know, you could be the flip of that, the other side of that coin, which is they're so sensitive to what you're thinking about them that they are constantly thinking, and I'm making her happy. Is she happy? It's just in some of this mm-hmm. dependent mm-hmm. almost personality disorder. So there, there are several different types of personality disorders, right? And and I know that the the definition of what it is changes a little bit, but it seemed like to me, um, as I was looking into this topic, that that there's a whole lot of overlap. Is this correct? Um, I uh, read from one reference that personality disorders can occur in upwards of 2 to 4% of the population. That's the current um, numbers that are out there, yes, 2 to 4%. Right. More common in women than men. Yes, are... but I think it's also because we probably haven't studied uh, men as much. I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the psychological trials, psychiatric trials, um, don't bear heavily on males with these kinds of things. You know, we, we tend to, I don't want to get off into this too far, but uh, a hard-headed, strong-willed male comes across as, well, he's assertive, whereas that in a female could be you know, seen as something else. Exactly. Thank you for saying that. So I didn't have to. But that's certainly I know in being in what used to be medicine, a predominantly uh, male profession, not not anymore, but used to be back in the early days of my profession. There really was sort of that fine line of what was okay for a woman to do and profess and how firm she could be in her opinions without going over the edge and being called aggressive rather than assertive, right? Right. So your listeners will know um, that I make frequent reference to my wife who's from Texas, who's strong-willed. Um, <laughs> and, um, so I, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with this. But I, I think that there's there's a line here that you alluded to earlier. You know, there's, there's assertive and strong-willed and opinionated, and then it crosses over into a personality disorder where it gets a little bit more... Well, I hate to use the word again, but personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a professor in grad school who said, you know you're talking to someone with a personality disorder when the hair on the back of your neck kind of stands up. You kind of go, uh-oh, something's going something's on here. Something's not quite yeah. right. Yeah. So maybe that person is a little difficult, or you start seeing something in body language that tells you the conversation's not going the way you thought it was, or perhaps the conversation has turned into another direction that you had no idea it would or should. So... So as we're talking through this, listeners, I'd love for you to join in with your questions about personality disorder or your thoughts or perhaps um, your experiences with one who you thought maybe in the workplace, if not in your family, or in a social situation, or perhaps someone you dated had um, a personality disorder and you discovered it as you moved on. Give us a call with your thoughts at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I do before the break. I want to talk about one personality disorder that I hear about a lot, um, and that is borderline personality disorder. It seems like that's the the one that. Um, comes out as defined. Another one is the narcissistic 
personality disorder. So can we talk about the the differences in those two? Because I've heard those used a lot. Um, I certainly, um, I know that, that they are real diagnoses, correct? Correct. They're diagnosed and the, they're defined in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, 5th edition, which is actually, you know, sort of the, the Bible of psychiatry and psychology as far as definitions, correct? That is right. So, so a borderline personality disorder or BPD, there's their websites about this all over the place, you guys, um, seems to be one that's um, characterized by having difficulty managing emotions. And from what I understand, the strong pattern of instability with relationships or self-image and emotions are... Um, sort of seated in a lot of rapidly changing emotional emotionality, like everything's great and then everything's not great, and not the same thing as a bipolar disorder. Um, a borderline personality disorder seems to be just one of those innate things that is just there. Yes, and that's the one of the sort of hallmarks of a personality disorder versus things like depression, anxiety, bipolar, things like that. Personality disorders, if you want to think of it this way, tend to be more foundational or more um, covering all uh, of the, the person mm-hmm. uh, and more difficult to treat, honestly. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, borderline personality disorder. It's an excellent definition, by the way, of emotional dysregulation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and inability to control those emotions. We can talk more about that. Okay, good. Well, we have our first caller. We have Steve. Good morning, Steve, from Tupelo. And do you have some questions about the cause? Well, it was it was um, more of a, an example of what I've seen with a, a family member uh-huh. that I'm, I've seen where um, the, the what comes across as aggression or some some kind of personality disorder is is really what I've seen as the fruit uh, that's manifesting in the life of that person who, as a child, while they were growing up, they felt uh, like they were not being heard. They were constantly being told to to be quiet, don't don't butt into this adult conversation. You don't know anything you're talking about, and especially if there are um, siblings involved. It's turned out to where this person uh, that I'd be referring to has siblings, and when they all get together in a gathering, they're actually feeling competitive with each other. Oh, no, I, I know more than you do, or, or my ailments are worse than yours, or, or whatever the conversation is, they're trying to outdo each other because they felt like they just weren't being uh, shown basic respect to be able to give their opinion or their their uh, voice in anything while they were growing up and it's really the fruit that's manifesting in their life and you, and you want to look at a, a person like that and say this person has a disorder well this person is manifesting what was uh, developing while they were growing up and if it, it's a challenge to that person to uh, sit quietly mm-hmm. and not come across like that because they're simply it's not what's comfortable to them they're used to some kind of aggressive conversation or or discord or argument going on, and they have a hard time sitting quietly, peacefully, showing respect to each other, just listening, because they feel like they need to outdo 
each other with their conversations. Wow, Steve, that is that is really great insight. And actually, the information out there is that certainly environment can bring out a personality disorder. Seems that there's some genetics, but also um, certainly environment. You know, we talk about that all the time in this show, the nurture versus nature, and that that the two, you cannot you cannot separate out one from the other because there may be some genetic propensity, but if you're in a different kind of environment, it might not present, right? That's exactly right. And Steve, what you brought up was a good point about sort of this need for to be heard and need to have emotional validation, if you want to put it that way. And it's almost like with these individuals, Dr. Budgeris, it, it's, a, it's an endless pit. You can't pour enough into them. You know, mm-hmm. um, so Steve mentioned, you know, back to childhood. Some of these kids may have not been um, given the message that their opinion mattered or whatever, but it's almost like you can't give them enough. Mm-hmm. You can't give them enough praise or whatever as adults. And as very- adults. And it may be, as Steve mentioned, due to the pattern that was set up in childhood where it was that constant bombardment of the the need to to one up. Someone was always there. Someone Maybe, um, maybe it was uh, perhaps already genetically some difficulties that then when that bombardment was there, they just needed it. I'm not sure. I would love to hear from others about their um, their thoughts about that. I think, Steve, you started off the phone calls great because that's really good insight. And, and it does seem that um, some of our scientific look into personality disorders bears some of what you say out as, as reality. So thanks for your call, Steve. Um, we're going to take our first break. We're talking about personality disorders, what they are, what causes them, how maybe you can treat them. And there are some treatments for it, believe it or not. People used to think they were untreatable. We'll talk about that as we move along. But we want to hear your questions, your thoughts about yourself, family members. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. You can take Salem out of the country, but... You can't mistake an advertising jingle for serious music unless you're the man who wrote it. The difference between a symphony and a jingle is symphony writers use more paper. I'm Robert Siegel, the Jingle King. Steve Carman talks about the business of writing music to sell things later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. 
You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. David Elkin, and we are talking today about personality disorders, what they are, who they affect, um, what they can cause, and perhaps if there's a treatment for them. So I want to read you again the definition of a personality disorder as we talk through this. Keep this in mind. It's a rigid and unhealthy pattern of thinking, functioning, and behaving. So a person with a personality disorder has trouble perceiving and relating to situations and people that can interfere or limit relationships, social activities, um, including work and school. And, and certainly, um, if you think about it, if you know someone out there who just persistently seems to always have some difficulty when they get into a situation, um, perhaps hasn't been able to hold a job down, even though there's no substance abuse, there are other issues there, they make it to work on time, they actually are there and they're doing the work. But but just don't seem to be able to adjust to to changes or to emotional differences or perhaps are a little overly emotional or paranoid or needy. Um, when does that kind of person morph into a personality disorder? So, um, Dr. Elkin, we were talking that these usually present in later ad- adolescence um, or early adulthood, correct? Correct. So we typically are not, we're not going to have a 10-year-old with a personality disorder. Correct. That's just because the brain hasn't developed to the point, right. the frontal lobes haven't developed yeah. yet. Yeah. So um, you might have a child with some anxiety or emotional dysregulation. And and as, as we were talking through this, this may be a very difficult line. And, and listeners, I hope you understand why I'm bringing this up. Um, Asperger's disorder, um, high-functioning autism. If you think about it, high fun- children with, an, uh, are with high-functioning fun- autism are individuals who often have difficulty understanding emotions of others. They often have uh, difficulty with transitions. Um, they want a lot of the sameness. They have a restricted repertoire of interest. And so people might misunderstand an individual with high-functioning autism as possibly being one with a personality disorder. And I want to make sure that we clearly draw that line, and that's why I brought up that you would not see an 8- or a 10-year-old with a personality disorder yet. You would often, hopefully, you would have an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old who has been discovered as having autism spectrum disorder, Asperger's, correct? Correct. And are I think, you following me? I know exactly where you're saying. going. Yeah. And I think one of the hallmark differences is, and I'm speaking to some of the patients we've seen together, you and I, right. um, uh, 
a lot of those kids with high-functioning autism exhibit some of these same characteristics. However, they can be trained to have some insight. Right. It's not natural for them, but you can say, when you say these things, when somebody frowns at you, that means this, and they can encode it and go, mm-hmm. okay, got it. Mm-hmm. But a personality disorder seems to be um, more difficult to train on that. So it's a difference of how they, how they present. Right. So although on the surface it may seem the same, one thing I wanted to point out is part of autism spectrum disorder is difficulty with communication, not just oral language, but also interpreting gestures, movements, uh, facial expressions. Whereas an individual with personality disorder doesn't have difficulty interpreting that. In fact, sometimes they over-interpret it and and over-call what's going on. That's a very good distinction you're making. Um, And and it's a very good way to sort of keep these two categories uh, in their own boxes, if you will. Yeah. Well, we have um, another caller. Valerie, good morning. Valerie's on the road. I hope you're being a careful driver. I am. (laughs) You have some comments about or questions about personality disorders. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Um, One of my questions was persons with personality disorder, because, again, we're all humans that judgmental. Um, It's hard to diagnose. So, you know, Someone, let's assume, like, there's seven of us in our family. We all have various personalities. Some of us are people persons and some are not. So if a personality, a person with a certain personality finds their match, you know, does a person with personality disorder, you were talking about functioning at work and everything, so is it that they're not always in their niche or their match? Would they function better or appear less sort of disordered and not require specific treatment if, Let's say they're a person who prefers working in a lab, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Mm. Does that help? And then the other thing was, and I'm thinking of things like asocial, antisocial, passive-aggressive, and the various differences between those types of things. And then um, the more, I guess, the less uh, insecure, going back to what was said earlier in terms of the people who might have personality disorders or those who can't read people and overcall or, you know, think that, oh, am I satisfying so-and-so, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly for men, what happens, since we don't study men very often, but then what about men, they appear to be mm, competitive, or aggressive, but they're more bullish. They're more hmm. misogynistic. They treat, you know, it's more like this inferiority type complex. It's their personality, but they project it or they, this is how they act. So that really it doesn't appear to be them, but then they're timid. So they don't function well as the male in, is what I'm saying. So right. they don't do things like, raise families they don't do things you know they're they're not able to do those things you know that we would think of as being typically male so they appear to be competitive but are what we call men you know in terms of uh, assertive or aggressive whatever term is common now uh but in in fact maybe they're not so wouldn't it behoove us to study because i just wonder if we have a lot of that going on in our society 
We do have a lot of uh, generalizations that are made in our society, and, and um, everybody is an individual. Valerie, you had, you had several comments, and um, I know Dr. Elkin wants to address a couple of things that you brought up. Great points, Valerie. And so I'd, I'd want to highlight one of the first uh, distinctions you drew, which is a great way to um, pull it apart for us. I think what you're describing there very eloquently is the difference between personalities and personality disorder. So there are a bunch of different personalities and sort of strengths and weaknesses. Someone can be more quiet. Someone can be more outgoing, like you said, an engineer versus a philosopher or whatever, you know. Um, but And those are different personalities. I think we're discussing personality disorders, as you noted, and those are people who cross over a line. And you raised a good question. Let's say you find someone with a personality disorder with a good fit, you know, a, a mate who sort of is a good fit for them. See, typically with personality disorders, I think we see that there really isn't anybody who's That's a good fit. That's a good fit. Yeah, Often sort of, they have trouble with whomever they are. And different personalities can find a good fit. Right. But a personality disorder person, it's really hard to find someone who sort of can tolerate them. Yeah, so you can have certainly an introverted personality um, who is an individual who really is quiet, prefers to stay in the background, is perfectly content um, being the behind-the-scenes person who matches with that extrovert who likes being in the forefront, likes talking about themselves, likes for people to look at them. But that doesn't mean it's a disorder because they do have insight to others and hopefully can read um, gestures, body language, can um, and not only do that, but also care that that other person is different and has needs. Um, individuals often, and I hope I'm not oversimplifying this too much, often individuals with personality disorders are so e egocentric, they just don't really care that much about other others' needs. So right. that has to be taught? It does. And um, Valerie raised a good point, too, about uh, males, meaning how perhaps males don't have as many personality disorders. I, I think that what she was describing can perhaps be termed perhaps narcissistic personality disorder, you know, mm -hmm. thinking only of yourself, uh, not wanting to take part in other activities such as child rearing is what she said. So, I mean, I, I would think that there are some personality disorders where males are more uh, represented. Mm. Well, we're talking about, thank you for your call, Valerie. Um, you brought up some good points, and, and I think we all agree that when you're looking at personality disorders, they probably also exist in in men and women fairly equally. It's just that the personality disorder types that have been described often seem to be more in women. We'll talk a little bit about the histrionic and the paranoid personality disorders when we get back. Um, we're going to take our next break. We still have, we have a bunch of open lines, you guys. Give us a call about your thoughts or your questions or maybe even your theories on personality disorders, what causes them, how to deal with them, what can you do about them. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send us an email at family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back.
Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org slash heart. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The end of the year is the perfect time to get rid of that old car that's been taking up space in your driveway or garage. Why not let someone else sell that car for you while you simultaneously contribute to MPB? Donations received by 12 a.m. local time on January 1st count for the 2016 tax year. Wrap up your year in the spirit of holiday giving and receive a tax deduction for your vehicle donation to MPB. To donate or learn more, go to mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. David Elkin. We are talking about personality disorders, um, what they are, uh, what causes them, how you can treat them, what to do when you encounter someone in your life with one. And so let me just mention, we've talked, we've skirted over a little bit about the causes. And and I just want to emphasize that Though we haven't identified a particular gene, we know that personality disorders probably is a combination, the cause is a combination of um, genes. Certain personality traits we know can be passed on uh, by your parents through inherited genes um, like temperament and and general behavior, but we also know that environment can um, push you over. They can sort of activate those genes, not sort of, they do literally activate genes that may be dormant, but if you get in a stressed position perhaps, or if you have some other overlying issue, then you may have an individual develop a personality disorder when um, the other individual who perhaps had the same genes but wasn't in the same environment did not present the same um, and vice versa. You might have an individual who was in a great environment but had the genes and it presented anyway so can't always blame family can't always blame other people but it does seem that there's a combination um so let's go back to the phones we have an interesting question from mars um in ridgeland mars you want to know what a mother can do to prevent 
Yes, um, I, I was one of 10 children growing up, and I really don't think that, I think I got perspective through being one of many children, and I have an only child, my daughter, and I'm concerned that she might have that egocentric personality, and I wonder what I might be able to do to stop that from happening. So, Mars, um, your great, great question. Um, just being an individual who is an only child and who who has centered um, their own wants and their needs because they haven't had to worry about anybody else doesn't mean they're, they'll develop a personality disorder by any means. Um, what I would encourage you to do as a parent of an only child is to make sure that they participate in, in team activities where they have to share, where they have to think of others, where they have to learn how to be a caring individual and know that just because they want something and they're the only person there doesn't mean they necessarily get it. Um, there are a lot of wonderful only children out there who are giving and loving and caring and are wonderful partners. So... Um, Honestly, being an only child, right, Dr. Elkin, is not a risk factor of having a personality disorder. Absolutely right. And I think it's a great way. What you said earlier a few seconds ago was key, getting them involved in social activities so they interact with others. That's one of the great things you highlighted. Yeah, team sports and, and also teaching them how to do for others. This this holiday season is a wonderful time that you can teach um, your child that you know, we're going to make gifts for shut-ins. We're going to make gifts for um, children who are in need. We are going to do for others. I think that can that can be such a big help. I, I honestly, I think Dr. Elkin will agree with me. Um, we have an only child in our office who is actually our clinic manager, and she is one of the most giving people you would ever imagine. So. We know it can happen. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Mars, I hope that was helpful. Yes, it was. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for your call. Thank you. We'd love to hear from more of you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've we've got uh, so, uh, some open lines, but we also have a caller right now. We have um, Brenda from Bogalusa. Um, Brenda, you have some thoughts? Yeah. um, You were talking about the different personalities uh, disorders. Yeah. You know, I have a a very strong feeling about this. Now, I know it might sound real strange to you, but I used to suffer with depression. For years, I uh, I suffered with depression for about 15, close to 20 years. And being a Christian, I pray a lot. And one night I asked God to help me, and I was such in distress that I was delivered from from that depression. And and I remember when I was going through the depression, I always felt negative. You know, like if friends or if I go to church or what have you, I go around other people, people trying to be nice, say, how are you doing? I always felt negative, like, well, she really doesn't mean that. She's just just saying that or whatever. Mm -hmm. But... I noticed when I was suffering through this depression, I always had negative thoughts. And I thought this, these thoughts were my own thoughts until, until God delivered me one day. 
Now, when I, when I got delivered, I wanted to know from God. I said, how did I ever get in such a state? I kept praying about it. And one day he told me, he said, depression is a spirit. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Brenda, and I I hear what you're saying. So, you know, there is some clear evidence that um, prayer has been shown to be therapeutic for some. When you have strong beliefs and you believe in the prayer, then the prayer can be very therapeutic and it can be healing. Um, I think we have to be careful um, when we um, say that mood or um, mental illness or uh, behavioral difficulties are the work of um, an evil spirit because then that makes individuals feel that they are occupied by a demonic or an evil spirit. And we have some pretty clear evidence that um, anxiety, mood disorders are Um, based neurochemically in the brain and that, um, yes, indeed, treatment can make them better. Um, Getting um, in a good place can make them better. Having more positive thoughts and certainly having people who love you around you can, can be very therapeutic. Dr. Elkin, I know you might have some other comments on that. Right. I think you said it very well. I think that um, it also, it, it sort of um, objectifies or, or takes the the disorder the person's experiencing uh, away from them, in a sense. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of people find beneficial when they realize and own that this is something I need to work on. This is something I need to do. And that's exactly what Brenda was saying. I mean, I think she said, you know, I was feeling depressed and I decided to pray. I wanted to work on this. And so I would compliment her for that sort of owning of it and um, trying to fix it and praying about it. Right. Brenda, thanks for your call. I I do think that the other issue, now you're not talking about a personality disorder, you're talking about depression, Brenda, and I do think that often individuals, when you're really down, um, you can have those negative thoughts. You can just think everything's bad, right? Um, Even when good people are out to help you, many times if you're really in the ditch, really feeling bad, nothing seems quite right. But the difference in a personality disorder and in depression is, Brenda, the the depression is something that is treatable and fixable um, more easily than uh, personality disorder. That's correct. Okay. Sometimes with medication, sometimes with uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, sometimes prayer and um, a positive approach will do it. Thanks for your call, Brenda. Let's go next to uh, Kelvin in Vicksburg. Kelvin, um, you have a a question about self-diagnosis. Tell us what your thoughts are. I do. Can you hear me well? Yes, perfectly. Yes. Uh, if a person has a personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, are they able to, in some cases, self-diagnose such as, you know, if you go to a medical doctor, you have a certain ailment, you can tell them what it is. And the reason I ask that question is that I was in a long-term relationship from college and some years beyond that. And as I was going through counseling, the one thing that was impressed upon me by professionals was that the, the person in question wouldn't come just based on what was told to them. 
they say, well, you know, generally, generally speaking, it was more than one person, that folks who have that generally don't know it in and of themselves. Can they self-diagnose in some kind of way? Um, well, there is a symptom list for okay. uh, personality disorder that, yeah, you can tick through that personality disorder symptom list and see whether or not you have it. And actually, no, 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 if, no I'm talking about the individual, and not, not me, but yeah. can, can someone self-diagnose to themselves and say, I have this or not, or are they willing to? Is there ah, that's the question, Kelvin. You just put the right question out there. Are they willing okay. to? Does a person person with a personality disorder have enough insight into their behavior to believe that what they have is a disorder or that they're the right ones and everybody else is wrong? Dr. Elkin, help us okay. with this. I think you're exactly right. I think it's the the key word that um, that Dr. Butchers was saying, and you're talking about Kelvin as well, is insight. Do they have the insight into this? I mean, it's one thing to be told that I think you're depressed, okay? Um, but it's another thing to be told, I think you have a personality disorder. And people with personality disorders often don't have that insight, uh, the ability to, to do that. Now, through counseling, often they do. Uh, but by themselves, you asked a very good question, by the way. By themselves, I just don't see it happening very often. No. Okay. In, in fact, it's often a loved one, someone who's associated with them, someone who's tried to have a, a loving, caring relationship with them, who finds that, golly, no matter what I do, it's never right. And um, so... Uh, if you have a loved one who you suspect might have a personality disorder, um, so that you don't overstep, you might say something like, I really think you're unhappy. I think that you might need some help. Um, I can help you find some professional help because I would encourage most of us out there, you don't need to be calling uh, a close uh family member or friend, a personality disorder, you need to leave that to the experts. What we're trying to do today is give some insight in what it is so that you can know who might need help in one way or the other. Okay, appreciate it. So, Kevin, thanks for your call. Um, let's go on to our next caller before we take our final break. Uh, we have Bobby in Indianola. Uh, Bobby, you have a question about um, feelings about living in a stuck relationship. Is that it? Uh, hello, are you talking to me? Yes, Bob. Oh. Are you Bobby? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, my question was, um, how do you? What, what can you do to help a person who seems to be uh, obsessively oriented toward his life? Uh, uh, as it was in the past, and uh, I might best describe him as someone who's uh, shut down his life uh, to the extent that he doesn't deal with his life uh, as it is in the present, and I would cite as an example uh, of my uh, assessment of him is that uh, he tends to be uh, a hoarder and a collector of things, and to the extent that it's caused problems with his neighbors. Mm. 
So is this someone who has um, always been a bit of an introvert or a bit of an anxious person and they've just restricted their life tighter and tighter? Is that what you've seen, Bobby? Uh, Yeah, I I would say I, I wouldn't necessarily call him an introvert, but yeah, I guess he he tends to be more reserved. Um, and uh, what was that you said in the second part of your question? Well, I was I was more or less asking if you felt like this was an individual with some anxiety already yeah, or yeah, depression. That's, that's it. Yeah. He he uh, definitely seems to be an anxious type of personality. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bobby, um, hoarders often sort of fit under, I always find this a very, very interesting disorder. It fits sort of under the umbrella, some people think, of anxiety disorders, um, which obsessive-compulsive disorder also uh, fits under. And so many times these individuals sort of start off with some problems with a little bit of anxiety or trying to control their environment to make themselves feel better. And then... um, for whatever reason, and maybe Dr. Elkin, you can add to this for me, uh, for whatever reason, the the people start um, having, feeling like if they just keep everything, um, Mm -hmm. if they can just control that, um, Mm -hmm. they may need it later. And then it seems to expand into keeping every bit of paper for some or every... um, every food box or food can or jar and some people can get into some pretty extreme hoarding issues that can be very dangerous yeah i've I've talked you know seriously with him and he i'm not sure if he really can can um honestly uh see himself I, i keep saying I keep using the phrase be honest with yourself don't you don't even have to admit it to me just think about yourself uh, think about your situation try to be realistic and and uh, I, I don't seem to I guess how you say get through and I'm aware that a lot of times when you're speaking with a person that uh, it's very easy that they they take offense or they take it the wrong way and they and you just end up banging your head against the wall Right. But um So uh, many times hoarders, Bobby, do not have a personality disorder. They truly have a neurochemical illness and it really does need treatment. So um you know, a, a phrase like I really care about you. Yeah. Um this is not safe. This you're putting yourself in a very dangerous situation. Many times it's a fire hazard, even, or a, a health hazard. Otherwise, and and so I think we need to seek help. D- Dr. Yeah. Elkin, do you have any any good phrase maybe Bobby could use for his friend? No, I think you said it quite well. Um, he's obviously a friend, and so you can come alongside him and seek to um, I guess build on that friendship with phrases that Dr. Buttress used for I care about you. The, the thing that you're running into, it seems like, is uh, logical, rational arguments aren't working with him. And that's one of the sort of hallmarks of an anxiety disorder because they know that what they're doing not necessarily is the best thing, but it works to alleviate their anxiety. So you can't talk them out of it. You have to sort of say, 
we're going to do this and I'm going to help you do this because I'm your friend and I love you. Right. So um, you're in Indianola. There are some. Um, how far is Indian, Indianola from? We can get you some resources, Bobby, if you would like to make some recommendations to your friend or help him set up an appointment. We can certainly do that. Um, if you will send us an email at family at mpbonline.org, we can certainly um, help you with that because this truly is something that is treatable and um and you can you can make a difference in your friend's life so uh good luck and feel free to send that email so we can help we'd love to do some follow-up um with you or for you so thanks for your call um jay i don't believe we have time for our final break so um Maybe let's summarize, Dr. Elkin, just a little bit that personality disorders are um, disorders that affect upwards of, what, 5% of the population. Um, Often these are people who have really difficulty every single day with relationships, right? And it can affect them. But treatment is out there. Can you just, in a nutshell, tell us some of the treatment so I think the treatment involves, uh, like many things in psychology and psychiatry, a combination at times of um, medication, um, but also behavioral therapy. And one of the leading treatments out there for personality disorders is called dialectical behavioral therapy, or you'll hear it DBT. Uh, it's a very specialized branch of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, and it takes time. It takes It's very intensive. It takes time to work with these individuals, so it's not something that you can, quote-unquote, fix in 8 to 10 sessions. And there are uh, practitioners out there uh, that are trained in this. Uh, And so if if you suspect that you have a personality disorder or you know someone who does, I would uh, encourage you all to be wise consumers and to look for a DBT therapist, dialectical behavioral therapist. That's good information. Do we have some in our state, in Mississippi, who do DBT therapy? We do indeed. And if, if uh, listeners want to email you, uh, we can find some resources close by where they live. Great. Well, thanks so much. I think that, you know, uh, it became very apparent with our callers that um, when you're out there dealing with mental health issues sometimes it's very confusing as to what is depression what is anxiety what is a personality disorder and and how to deal with it once you find it i guess the best lesson for us to remember is if someone is struggling with a relationship or with a mental health disorder to seek help there's help out there Um, We can help um, almost any mental behavioral disorder, at least try to get you in the right direction. So um, with that, I want to thank you, Dr. Elkin, at the Center for the Advancement of Youth. Thank thank you for all the work that you do for our our children and teens. It's always a pleasure being with you. So... This was a good show. I want to thank our callers, too, for participating and uh, giving us their stories and their questions. It always makes the show so much better. 
So Relatively Speaking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from the members of the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show was engineered by Jay White, and I believe he was also our call screener. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress for Dr. Elkin. Thank you. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. You can take Salem out of the country, but... You can't mistake an advertising jingle for serious music unless you're the man who wrote it. The difference between a symphony and a jingle is symphony writers use more paper. I'm Robert Siegel, the Jingle King. Steve Carman talks about the business of writing music to sell things later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. 